This is Laura Deardo with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Chang Kai Kao, who's a Chief Clinical Informatics Innovation Officer at UChicago Medicine. Kai, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Now, I know we have a lot to talk about. There's so much happening in the clinical informatics space, and certainly I'm intrigued by your title, having both the clinical informatics and innovation in there. But before we dive into my broader questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Of course. So um, I'm a hospitalist by training. Um, so I spend a lot of time seeing patients, um, mostly general medicine patients, and have done that for you know about 12 to 13 years by now. And I also hold, you know, some administrative positions in the hospital, including, as you mentioned, the Chief Clinical Informatics Innovation Officer, which I really focus a lot of, you know, um, informatics operations, especially for inpatient uh, capacity, access, and quality. And also, you know, thinking about on the innovative side, you know, you know, all the interesting projects that really help accelerate the care, you know, improving the quality and also expanding our access are sort of the things that I do as well. Excellent. Wow. So it sounds like you certainly have your hands full at UChicago Medicine. And, you know, from your perspective and vantage point with so many different roles, where do you see the big opportunities for healthcare as well as the headwinds that you have your eyes on right now? Yeah, I think we have, you know, obviously we are in the post-COVID era where, you know, a lot of things are still, you know, being restored. Um, But in the meantime, if one thing accelerated through COVID, that will be the overall the telehealth and, and overall the informatics, um, you know, um, opportunities. Um, so we're excited to see, you know, there's a lot of um, booming um, programs around how do we spend, you know, outreach to the patients through, for example, remote patient monitoring or a patient which I spend a lot of time on, um, it's called hospital at home, uh, which is essentially providing, you know, acute hospital um, care to the patient's home. So I see a lot of opportunity where home become a new alternative site of care in the future. And you know, a lot of these services um, enabled by technology informatics um, solutions were you know, um, helping us to be able to provide the care in the patient's home you know, where they really belong. Um, so I think that's really a lot of opportunity here and that's what we have been um, you know, working on over the last two years. That's great to hear. And, you know, especially looking at the hospital at home, I know that's a trend across the country and some organizations are further along the journey than others. And, you know, in your experience, what have you learned in um, setting up a program like that? And what does it take to, to be successful? Yeah, we are just started. Um, we have been planning this for almost two years and we just saw our first patients um, earlier this year. And we are now planning to launch hopefully in the next few months, um, you know, officially. So very exciting for us. Um, and, you know, you asked the key question, you know, where it really takes a lot of resources and planning um, to kick off this such a program. Um, we, we think there is a lot of value. Um, so I think recognizing what the value is for the organization, because the answer could be slightly different from organization to organization. But for us, it would be improving our capacity and access. Uh, we constantly are full all the time um, in the hospital. Um, so there's not a way to quickly, you know, increase the bed numbers and open us up for more, um, you know, sicker patients that can, um, you know, um, be hospitalized. Um, so really, you know, hospital home becomes an, a way to really expand the excess, um, allow more patients to be treated. 
in the meantime, I think there's a huge component for patient experience. Um, so patients are up and mobile a lot more often than they traditionally are in the hospital. In the first patient that we just had, I observed the patient in the hospital where he was mostly bedbound because he was deemed have to have certain fall risk. And so even though he has, his cane just right next to him, it doesn't work around. He literally just pretty much tied to the bed and watch TV most of the time. But once we transfer him home, we saw him actually get up, walk around, use his cane to walk in the living room, be eating the meal that we sent over to him. And just quickly we see the smiley face, the energy in him, just you know, after a few hours, we transfer him home. So we believe home is really the optimal place for a lot of patients, especially elderly patients to recover. And I think that's something that, you know, even though we know for sure we still not be able to provide care at home because, you know, a lot of limitations we had before. Um, but now with the, you know, with the COVID, you know, with the waiver program from the CMS, now we finally have the opportunity and also the reimbursement mechanism to actually make this work. So I think recognizing those values, um, identifying if that's important for your organization, then it's all about, you know, investments in, and thoughtful planning. Um, I would just say this is a, a very um, robust community. Um, given the program is still pretty young and new, most of the hospital home programs across the country are really supporting one another. Um, so if there's any questions, you know, um, you know, there's always a lot of people who were, you know, happy to sort of answering those questions voluntarily. And if anyone, you know, who is listening or interested in knowing more about hospital home, Again, I would really love to return the favor as well and happy to be that resource, um, provided if there's any questions. Fantastic. I, I think that's so helpful to know and, and just really great results, um, even for a single person to be able to have that opportunity to go home and really come to life more. I, I think that's so important. Now, when you look more broadly, how are you thinking about growth and adding value to the organization overall? Yeah, so um, just like I mentioned, I think, you know, um, we need to really improve the access for both inpatient and outpatients. And I think we are doing a lot more now through um, also at home and telemedicine um, type of initiative um, to expand the access. Um, but in the meantime, we also need to just make it easier for patients to actually um, contact us, make appointments, ask questions. So I think you know, a lot of the initiative around digital front door, a lot of initiative around how to improve the patient engagement you know, through the patient portal and how do we actually direct the patient to make the appointment to the right providers? I mean, I think there's a lot, still a lot of opportunities where, you know, um, that we need to work on to improve the growth and also add more value. And, and ultimately, I think traditionally healthcare has been a very episodic um, services where patients get sick, they either go to our urgent care clinic or go to ED and be hospitalized even. Um, but all in all, it's like per episode, like in between, we don't have a ton of um, way to engage and also um, monitor, um, you know, their progress. Um, and but now I think again with remote patient monitoring, with you know some of the AI that's coming up, I'm sure it's on the hot topics everywhere. Um, that there's some interesting opportunity where we can provide more seamless service um, by leveraging these um, new tools to um, engage patients and answer their questions. That makes a lot of sense, you know, and it's really fascinating to hear about how the paradigm in healthcare is shifting and changing, you know, to, to bring in more patient engagement as well as connection between the episodes of care and, and really bridging that gap. 
from your perspective, in thinking about how healthcare is changing and evolving, what is an important risk or an investment that is really worth making this year? I mean, on the news, obviously, ChatGPT is everywhere. Um, and, you know, I, I think all in all, I think we, it's worth to really um, not necessarily invest, but at least explore um, you know, all these you know, AI solutions that's ongoing. It's not just about large language models such as ChatGPT, but there's also a couple of others, you know, for imaging, for videos. I mean, we are in an era where there's revolutions coming in, um, you know, through these AI. So how would that impact our healthcare? Um, how do we make sure we put that in a guardrail? So it would benefit our patients, but in the meantime, we make sure, for example, you wouldn't provide any false information to our patients. I think that's definitely one thing worth exploring and, and really coming up with a structure for that. Like how do we government that? And in the meantime, being able to support and adapt, you know, all these newest solutions, um, you know, from the market. Fascinating to hear about it. And um, I really love your point in terms of looking at artificial intelligence and how that can incorporate in healthcare, especially clinical care effectively. And, you know, when you talk about the images and, and um, I know there's a lot going on there as well. Are there any technologies that you've been particularly intrigued by or just in general looking at artificial intelligence, large language models and how that um, some of those, you know, data driven initiatives can really make a difference? Yeah, we are looking at this in a couple of different fronts. Um, so one is, you know, you know, just on the news, there's, you know, um, partnership between Epic, OpenAI, and, and Microsoft as well. So we are also exploring, you know, the, the implementation of, um, you know, piloting using essentially ChatGPT-like um, language models in, you know, sort of the EHR, um, which can really help improve the documentation ease of practice, and in the meantime, also potentially can improve the patient um, experience as well by having, you know, a more, you know, human um, AI model that can talk to the patient, provide some of the feedback. Um, but at minimum, at least it can help us draft some of the messages and be more efficient, um, which is help solve a lot of the issues, obviously, around burned out, um, because, you know, we, we keep talking about, so there's a lot of burned out, not just in providers, but in nurses and essentially everyone in healthcare. Um, so this is just one example where I think AI can help us be more um, uh, more efficient um, and in some way more capable um, because you know we usually wouldn't have that much time to really come up with uh, a long message, thorough messages, but now AI can actually help put together a lot of meaningful summaries in a relatively short period of time. And um, you know we still need people to sign off and you know before these messages were sent out. But that obviously largely um, reduces the time um, um, that we spend. You know, I also think there's just a lot of opportunities in the future, you know, in this regard. Um, you know, we are also exploring like, um, you know, can we apply, for example, some of the robots in healthcare? So we have, you know, we are actually purchasing, uh, not purchasing, um, contracting with some you know, massive robots that can help to support, um, you know, some of the medications or lab basements um, to help us just be more efficient, um, you know, even including off hours. Um, there's also a couple of other like ambient um, clinical services we are also looking into to see if they can further um, improve our um, care efficiency and, and patient experience. Fantastic. And that is really great to hear. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, I just wanted to ask, are there any other opportunities for growth that you're seeing in the future? 
Um, I would just say, all in all, I think the application of AI and the automation, like, you know, if we can take off the burden, um, you know, from essentially any clinician in the care processes by doing this AI and automation, then they can really be focusing on the more important stuff, which is talking to the patients, because I really think nothing replaces, you know, the face-to-face -face interactions and conversation. Um, so we, we sh share a lot about, you know, the opportunities and, and applications of these technology, but I think fundamentally our goal is to be able to make us more efficient so people can spend more time with the patients, focus on more complex cases where AI won't be able to help um, fully and really, you know, improve the care processes and experience in those regards. Um, I, I think in the future, you know, um, everyone, not just healthcare, people just need to learn how to use these AI tools because the people who know how to use them ultimately, you know, will be a lot more efficient than those who don't. Um, and, and so this becomes sort of a homework assignments or, or sort of things we, we are, you know, we, we have to learn, you know, in the next few years about how we actually apply that in a good way in healthcare. Fantastic. Well, Kai, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been such a fun and insightful conversation, and I'm really looking forward to your sessions as well at the Health IT Digital Health and Revenue Cycle event in October. I think it'll be an amazing time in such uh, great um, information and data sharing and uh, all sorts of conversations going on. So I'm looking forward to seeing you there. Thank you so much. And again, thanks again for having me and very much looking forward to the event as well.